Ladies and gentlemen, the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass is in effect. I'm Steve Kim, joined by our blank slate, Mario Lopez. Hey, salute to that and more on that later, my friend. Happy New Year Happy to you. Happy New Year. 2024 debut. You got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. Shout out to uh, Smoking Tim Frazier and Tino, Tino on the edits. All right, the bout sheet for this week's program, the return of Virgil Ortiz, <laughs> a preview of Better BF Smith. AJ Nganu Ooh. is scheduled and we have final <laughs> flurries and ask Mario's. But ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to get involved with the Three Knockdown Rule on sponsor our fine program, uh, we still have slots available. Please reach out to us at info at boxbid.io. Once again, that's info at boxbid.io. Boxbid.io is an online platform that is launching soon that helps public figures and professionals in the world of boxing get sponsorships. We are proudly working with boxbid.io. And speaking of sponsors, we'd like to give a thank you to Hustler Casino located just 15 minutes from downtown L.A. If you love poker, now is the time to play their high-limit crystal room for a $50,000 total giveaway this holiday season. Come check them out. And let's get this started from the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas on the zone. A junior middleweight bout at a catchweight of 156 was contested. And your winner by TKO in one is Virgil Ortiz over Frederick Lawson. But Mario, real quickly, did Tony Weeks steal the show, but not really the fight? He did. Mm, And mm, mm. I'm so disappointed by that. And he's developing an unfortunate pattern here. And I'm disappointed for many reasons. Obviously, um, the poor kid didn't get a chance to really uh, uh, answer and maybe was just getting warmed up. Now, now mind you, Ortiz was starting to tee off and land some shots, but never did I think it was anywhere close to being stopped. Didn't even cross my mind. Not only that, you robbed Ortiz of some much-needed rounds in work that... He could have used because he's been out of the ring how long now? Uh, first bout since summer of 2022. That's a long time. Mm-mm-mm. That's a long time. And you don't want to, it didn't even put in a full round. So I was disappointed for Ortiz. I was disappointed for his, appoint, his opponent. Disappointed for the fans. And what is Tony Weeks thinking? Now all this drama came out that he's... Uh, he knew about the kid having a possible brain aneurysm. And then Eric Gomez from Golden Boy quickly debunked that. But it's gotten messy, and it was unnecessary, especially on the heels of the Barroso fight, which I know we're going to talk about uh, next. But the whole thing just put a damper on what could have been a really fun night. In case you didn't know about the now-deleted Facebook message from referee Tony Weeks, this is what he wrote, and we can put it up there on the screen for our viewers. What the public didn't know that prior to the fight, they did a brain scan on him, talking about Lawson, and it came up that he had an aneurysm, and they did a test again, and the same aneurysm came up, and another doctor was brought in and gave him the same examination, and he tested negative for the aneurysm, so they cleared him to fight. That's a bold statement and one that mm. can get a lot of people in trouble. And Tony Weeks has been in the game for a long time. I'm really surprised he mentioned that maybe he started to feel the heat and felt it was some sort of saving grace on his end. But I, do you think he – is there any validity, Kim? I don't believe there is. And I talked to someone that brought Lawson into the fight. They said, Steve, there was no issue. There was nothing grave about that fight. Look, we have to be honest about this. Frederick Lawson was brought in for a reason. He was cannon fodder. He was not going to win. In fact, if Tony Weeks just steps back for 10 more seconds 
then I think there may have been a valid stoppage. That fight was never going to go more than two, three rounds. Right, but that but, was one of the worst stoppages I've seen in a while. Yes, and because especially on the heels of what took place with Barroso, Roley, Romero. And if you look at the social media outrage, he is now the modern-day Richard Steele. And I'll tell you what, I remember That's about Richard Steele. person. Um, when Richard Steele stopped the Chavez-Taylor fight, there was outrage. But it really got bad after he stopped the first Razor Ruddick-Mike Tyson fight. And then he became a marked man. And in one of the great, not great, but one of the traditions of boxing from the early 90s all the way up until the time he stopped refereeing. Every time they would announce a big fight, it'd be, and your referee for this bout, referee Richard Boo! You know what? Tony Weeks has now gotten to that stage. I'm going to push back a little bit as far as the Chavez Taylor fight. I know no seriousness, you, are. I you know, know how I feel. First I of know. all, it was a war, Kim, leading up I to agree. the 12th round. Huge difference. That's not a fair comparison at all. Um, and he started. Meldrick Taylor was never the same individual after that. I don't that. disagree. So it was an accumulation. Of, so I don't fault uh, Richard at all. A lot of people just because there was two seconds left, but we don't. It, it, Richard Steele did, didn't know that. Now that being said, even the Tyson Ruddock fight, those are some big ass heavyweights with some explosive punches, and I saw that, and it was questionable. But I didn't see outcry. Yeah. You, I saw R- Razor Ruddock's eyes go back, and it was after some violent combinations that landed. Here we had none of that. We didn't have it going to the twelfth round, round. One. That's what I'm saying. Round no one, accumulation no of damage. Even lathered up a sweat. It was such a oh, it was so unfortunate for like I mentioned, all parties involved. Then why do I ask you? Do you think Weeks even came out with a statement like that? And are his days numbered for big time future matches? I think they should be. And I tweeted on Saturday night or either Sunday morning. I said it is now time for the likes of Harvey Doc, who I believe is the best young referee in the sport. Not just young, maybe best. I love his footwork Mm -hmm. to take over. Look, there should be term limits on everything. I, I really believe that. Even, especially referees and judges. But even Mills Lane, who was in later years, was still solid. So it's hard to put, I don't like putting ageism in it. You got to just kind of judge a person individually. And here's what's maddening to a lot of people. If you care about the fairness of the sport, if there's such a thing. You go back to May with Barroso, Roley, Romero. That stoppage, who did it really benefit? The house fighter slash A-side. In this particular instance, even though it did benefit the Golden Boy house fighter, it kind of did him a disservice because, as you said, if you've been out for that long, the perfect scenario for Virgil Ortiz was to get at least three, maybe four, five rounds in, knock off the rust. Him getting two and a half minutes of action, I think even he said to himself, don't do this. Don't do this. He was questioning the audience when they were booing. He thought they were booing him. It was... Just confusion and a bad look all around. And I like uh, Virgil Ortiz. I would have liked to have seen him get uh, a few more rounds in, obviously. And I, I like the respectful call out to um, Costa Zoo. Pardon me. Uh, his son. Zoo. His son. I'm sorry. Freudian slipped there. Uh, Tim Zoo. And and that's the way it should be. I think, look, uh, you should want to fight the best and you should always want to go for the champs. I still think I'd like to see him a couple more times at this weight class with a few more rounds under his belt. But I think he can be a real player. It was hard to tell, right, in that short notice and in, in that, in that short time frame. But I think if Virgil is able to stay on track with weight, and stay active, I think you'd be a player in the division. I want to make this clear. The catch weight of 156 was set when the contract was signed. It's not like something they did on Tuesday because he couldn't make 154. They wanted to be more safe than sorry. Mm -hmm. Just get him to the dance, make sure he gets paid, and he hears the first bell. Now, with that said, keep this in mind, this was just his fourth bout since the end of 2020. Mm. He's only 25 years old. Okay, Now, you know I harp on this a lot. Say it with me. 
activity matters. But he did have some health issues, and I think he was cutting far too much weight. Now, if Because he's not, he wasn't active. I'll well, argue well, that, too, well, though. Well, that's a solid point, but now... No excuses. No excuses. So now, look, you just kicked off the year. Let's. I'd like to see him at least two more times. I spoke, at least. I spoke to Eric Gomez coming up here, and he said, Steve, with the nature of this bout, and in general, um, they want him to fight no later than April or May. Gosh, that's even late, considering it was only I, one I round. I agree, but remember, you know these I mean? things are slotted now no, with I the television. Right. And also, they would like to have him at least three fights. In terms of the Tim Zhu fight, whether that happens in Australia or in Las Vegas, again, you could figure that out later. But I will say this. If I am Robert Garcia, I would tell Golden Boy and Virgil Sr., look, we can beat that guy in two or three fights. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go to it immediately. Oh, no, I agree. And so, agree. look, Virgil, play. Virgil Ortiz is still a very bright young fighter. 20-0, 29 knockouts, very exciting style. Now he got back on track, and my view is this. If I am his handlers, I don't dare let him gain 30 pounds because I'm turning down every offer Mm -hmm. trying to play hardball. My view is this. Uh, We're going to have you back before the end of the first half of 2024. That's why I wish he would at least take a fight, even if it's off the airwaves. Not even the main event. Right, exactly. Just because of the nature of this and just to get some rounds in to be sharp. Right. Uh, also, on this card, the best played, best laid plans of mice and men. What do mm. they say? Um, Ohari Davis had made it clear. Hey, Roly Romero, if you're going to fight uh, Ryan Garcia, that's fine because I'm the WBA mandatory. I'm not taking a step aside. Well, Ismael Barroso had other plans and he wow. just absolutely shook up everything. Now, with Ismael Barroso, is that what you called old man strength? Yo, that's serious. <laughs> My guy's only 42. He looks about, pardon me, he's only 40. What? Also, Ooh. he looks like. 20 years older than that, but he's got that old man straight, and it's one punch. Raleigh Romero, I'll tell you what, that his resume is looking better as it goes, yeah. as it goes on, because he said that guy hits harder than Tank. He does. And he can crack, and that was a nice counterpunch, a one-punch counterpunch that, that, that took him out of the fight, but I'm surprised the tactic that um, Atari took to uh, uh, it, with the fight, knowing that he's a heavy-handed guy. He wanted to take it to him and be in there. I would have had a couple more feel-out yeah. rounds, maybe gauge the distance, try to um, uh, have him walk into something, but he wanted to fight fire with fire, and my guy he got, got burnt, burnt. He got burnt. Real bad and taken out, and it was a devastating upset. See, this is what I think the crowd was upset at. You let Barroso just absolutely buzz Davies, who gets knocked down, He's wobbly on his feet, and you keep going. The main event, Virgil Ortiz is just starting to pelt Frederick Lawson, and you wave it off immediately. The lack of consistency. And again, Ohari Davis was signed by Golden Boy. So if you think that these politics do not matter in fights of this nature and the decisions made by the officials, I think you're being incredibly naive. Here's a question for Barroso now. He's an older guy who's never made the real money. Should Golden Boy and everyone aligned with Ryan Garcia, and we'll talk a lot about him later, um, says, okay, we're going to do the Romero fight, but Barroso, this was a WBA interim fight, which basically means the winner of that fight Mm -hmm. basically, in essence, in theory, becomes the mandatory. If you're Barroso, if they offer you a seven-figure step-aside fee, which goes a long ways in Venezuela, do you just say, you know what? Go ahead, fellas. I'm good. Cut the check. You got to take it. 
Mm. You absolutely yeah. got to take it. You're not receiving any damage and you're getting seven figures. I thought you'd be foolish not to because you'd be lucky if you make that much receiving damage. So here you get a payday and you're still guaranteed yet another fight. Give the body a rest, yeah. ready to go. Look, I, people are going to want to see him regardless. So it's going to be interesting to see. And I think regardless of what happens, let's assume the Garcia um Roly. Roly fight happens. Whoever the winner is, I think Barroso's a live dog in that fight. Doesn't matter which opponent. Yeah, I, I'll say this. If it was Ohari Davis as a younger guy, I respected the fact that he at least said, no, 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 no step aside. I want the fight. Correct. Because there's never been a guy that I've looked at in his career, if I'm a Hall of Fame voter and he's kind of a 50-50 guy, I've never said, wait a minute. The way he got all that money for step aside fee, man, he's going to the hall. He gets my vote. No, no, no. So, but as an older guy who has to think about his future where nothing is promised, sure. where most of your career is already done, if you're going to cut me a substantial fat check not to fight and I can negotiate a couple of other lesser fights, right. that's not a bad deal for and an older a, guy. That's a huge win. That's as, a huge win. So he did himself a lot of favors. There's on an old saying, horses for courses or is it courses for horses? Anyway, also on this hmm. card, Arnold Barboza <laughs> making his Golden Boy debut, uh, scores an eight round knockout and also Raul Curiel under the guidance of Freddie Roach. I thought it's the best he looked. He looked pretty solid out there. So good victory for him. Yes. Moving forward, this weekend from Quebec, City on ESPN for the IBF slash WBC slash WBO light heavyweight title of the world. It is the annual performance, because don't expect anything more, from two men who I believe are very good offensive fighters. The human wrecking ball, Arter Betterbiev, defends his three belts against the dangerous, tall, lanky Callum Smith. Mario, last January, we saw Betterbiev have some issues with Anthony Yard. Mm. I just, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking he beat him down late, but he showed signs of physical slippage. Am I making too much out of that? Part of me wants to agree with you, but I don't know so much if it's wear and tear because he hasn't been that active, ironically, but he is older, per se, for a fighter. Much closer to 40 than 30. Correct. So that that is that is a real factor. Father Time being undefeated and all. But man, I think he's such a special fighter. It's going to tell me a lot on this fight. A lot of people are picking Callum Smith to kind mm. of upset too, which is what I'm hearing. But I so want to see Betterbiev and Bival. So I think he realizes the stakes and what's at hand. Um, I think he'll find a way to ultimately get it done like he does. And then we'll get the showdown that we've been wanting for a while. Betterbiev, Bival. All I'm going to say is this. I'm hearing some... Positive news. We'll get into that next week. Oh, good. That's a good way to kick off the new year. Right. As for Callum Smith, I'll never forget he was at Blue Moon Boxing, and he had just gotten hooked up with our good friend, Buddy McGirt. Mm. Hey, baby. And I remember him working out, and I said to him, I, I said, Callum, let me ask you something about your stay at 68. That last year in that fight with Canelli, he said, Steve, can I just tell you something? I had nothing that night. Yeah. The only reason why I stayed is because the money was so great. Sure. He's a big kid. But you look at him at 75, he has his ass and his legs underneath him. He is hitting through people. Yeah. I would surmise that he's among the top three or four punchers in that division. Absolutely. He's a talented kid that can fight. This right. is going to be a real fight. And right. like you said, if for some reason better be of is not on his game or has slipped It's gone backwards. Yeah, well then Callum's got a real shot and then maybe we've got a new showdown. This is the the uh, 
the game that Calum Smith has to play. At times, he has to be aggressive, but he cannot be reckless. Right. And I spoke to Buddy McGirt on Sunday afternoon. They're already in Montreal. He said, Steve, look, there comes a time. Every fighter has to be taken out of their comfort zone. So in other words, if Calum Smith cannot be on his front foot once in a while, let's say at least in the first five rounds, at least a minute out of every round, on his front foot, at least controlling somewhat of the center of the ring, he has a shot. But here's the problem. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. That's the problem. <laughs> if you get dragged into a fight, because Anthony Yard had a lot of success. He was touching him up. He actually buzzed him once or twice, but there was a price to pay. Right. So it's this fine line between I'm having success or I'm getting sucked in. It's a tightrope walk, especially with Better Biev. I'm looking forward to seeing that fight. Absolutely, because again, uh, the last time that Better Biev was in action, January 23rd of 23. So it's been Damn. a full year. Time flies. That's a hell of a break. Right, and by the way, the Count Smith, boy, I wish he was more active. You know, he's fought one fight a year. Since 2020. Wow. Yes. So again, if you would have had that advantage of fighting here and a yeah, couple yeah, times yeah. a year, I'd say, you know what? Maybe there's a spot. Wow. But based on the fact we've all been begging for better BFB ball, part of me says, Callum, I like you. I kind of want to see that fight a little bit more than I like no, you, but, right, but I think this is a real fight. Also on this card, co-feature, WBO Bantamweight title is on the line. Jason Maloney against a young man I've seen since the beginning of his career. And Manny Robles, the upset specialist, he brought in Rafa Espinosa about a month ago. He brings in Sal Sanchez. And also on this card, bright young super middleweight prospect Christian Mabilly takes on Rohan Murdoch. Right, and we come back more of the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass. This podcast is sponsored by Hustler Casino, home to the most popular streaming show, Hustler Casino Live, which just celebrated two years of record-breaking pots and live high-stakes poker action. If you're a card enthusiast, make sure to stop by and play all of your favorite games. Hustler Casino, see you there. And we're back on the three knockdown rule. And a friendly reminder, if you'd like to sponsor the three knockdown rule, uh, email us info at boxbid. Dot io. Once again, that's info at boxbid.io. All right, moving on to news and notes. Mario, a, a lot of interesting developments late last week in the first week of 2024. Once again, it is Riyadh season in Saudi Arabia. Wow. And Friday, March 8th, Anthony Joshua will be taking on Francis Ngannou. Is he the most highly paid 0-1 fighter in the history of boxing? You know, it has to be. For all the MMA fans out there, you 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 love this because Ngannou is one of the good guys. He's paid his dues. He's a gentleman. He's a class act. Doesn't badmouth anyone. To see him get uh, financially rewarded like this um, is awesome. As far as Joshua, tip of the hat to him. I like this, bro. My guy has been active. We activity was a theme. Fourth this last fight in year. eleven months. Four fights in 11 months for a heavyweight. That's huge. This is going to be the sharpest we've seen him. I think he is going to be well prepared, not take it lightly like Fury did. And I believe um, Joshua will stop Ngannou. And I think when he does, I think it'll drum up a lot of interest for the Fury-Usyk winner. And assuming it's Fury, that'll be a huge uh, huge fight, but I think this is fun because it doesn't take away from his duties and because of his activity, he just fought yeah. not that too long ago. He's going to come in in good shape. He um, posted recently back at it again. I'm a big fan of this. You can't be hypocrites about this. If you think Ngannou won, or at the very least, 
had a draw or fought very well against Fury and say, wow, that guy's actually legitimate and then rip Anthony Joshua. He's allowed to make money. By the way, he's staying active. He's looking. Are people ripping him? Well, there's some people. that. This is what gets me about certain boxing fans. All they talk about is, quote, unquote, getting the bag. It's about the money. Yeah, but when it's certain fighters, then you expect them to actually have honor and do what's right for boxing. Anthony Joshua has just enough of a right as anybody else to get the bag. By by the way, and he's staying active and doing his job. He's really resurrected his career as far as uh, coming off the loss uh, with both Ruiz um, and Usyk. I mean, he's got a lot of buzz again. He's been active, like we've just said. He's going to make big money fight. I think he's got a big one looming with the winner of Fury Usyk. So that's how you do it. You get back to the drawing board. You put in the time in the gym. You get busy, and you start to win, and you start piling these up, and you become a player again. And let me, let me make this point again. I referenced this when Oscar De La Hoya was in studio. When Muhammad Ali fought Antonio Inoki in 1976, that was also a year he had four heavyweight title defenses. Mm. So there's, there's some similarities here sure. in terms of activity and doing a novelty event. And by the way, we're all in this for the money. And those very same people that are ripping it, I guarantee you, they probably said ad nauseum in the past. Well, this is called prize fighting, not pride fighting. Well, guess what? Anthony Joshua gets to live to that exact same standard. Mario, here's what's interesting. Couple of people, I believe, like Chris Mannix of SI in the Zone, have speculated that one of the undercard fights that could be on this show is Deontay Wilder mm. against Zhang Jalei. Yo, I love oh, that. Oh, oh, oh. I love that. That's oh a fun, real fight. And you know what? I hope it's true and good on Wilder for wanting to get right back in there. Okay. Now, obviously, he's going to have his hands full. And listen, tip of the hat to the Saudis too, because they're proving they're going to be real players in this game. They're emptying out. They're emptying out their pockets. If you're Deontay Wilder's management, you take that fight. You take that big punching China guy. The, the, really, the, the, really. It, it, yes. Ooh. I'm going to tell, tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. First of all, I'm sure he's getting handsomely paid considering the location. Okay, and who's putting on the fight? Number two. Based on the last performance, I don't know how many more of these opportunities will be there. And I'd rather get handsomely paid than wait a little bit, regroup myself, and maybe fight outside of Saudi, not make as much money, and I'm still in just as much danger. You feel me? Yes. I'll just say this. Um, The entrance, ring entrance for Deontay Wilder should be sung by Kenny Loggins. Because he's entering the danger zone. Oh, because unlike oh, Joseph I'm sorry. Parker, I apologize, and, and I don't know if Zhang Jalei is going to be the drink more tequila top gun. But oh, I'm just telling oh, you, dude. Don't <laughs> hope this is an indication of 20. Is this how you want to start the year? <laughs> oh gosh, damn! I'm because, drink now. But unlike Joseph Parker, who's going to beat him one round at a time by boxing him and moving and picking his spots. Jalei bangs. He does bang, but he also keeps his head right there. Right, and he's a big, big, tall... And he's a big target. Yes. So the fact that he's not exactly James Tony in the pocket, and he'll keep his head right there, I think it bodes well for Wilder, too. But I would cash out. If you feel there's some slippage, or maybe you're not hurt, then you you got to cash out right then and there. And Mario, uh, that fight that we had been talking about, or had been brandied about, Ryan Garcia against Devin Haney, as they say in New York... Forget about it. Because on Saturday morning, Ryan Garcia said through via Twitter and other social media outlets that I am now focused on Roly Romero. My hmm. guy. My guy had an active weekend. He Antonio Brown uh posted and when you Antonio that Antonio Brown, the football player. Hmm. A B. He, he hmm. said, A B said, Yo, this dude had a baby. Mm-hmm. An hour later announced his divorce. Mm-hmm. 
later canceled his super fight with Haney mm-hmm. after calling him out and doing a poll. And then he announced Raleigh as his next opponent. Wild 24 hours. Mm-mm. And then he said some other stuff, which I shall not say. Um, yeah, that was a hell of a weekend. And is that when, the same weekend he went jogging with your boy Floyd? Yeah, 3 so o'clock a, doing that road work. <laughs> 3 o'clock in the morning, that's a mean one right there. Yo, that's a lot to um, consume and to digest right there. Uh, thoughts? <laughs> in all fairness, this is about risk versus reward. Let's face it, technically and also based on pure ability, Devin Haney is five levels above Roly Romero. Oh, at least. At least. Okay. <laughs> now, but in terms of what would sell and what would be a more of a fun and more winnable fight for Ryan Garcia, it is understandable. But again, Mario. But, no, I agree. But Kim, to, to interrupt you for yeah. a second, the, the, the issue here, what people are taking umbrage with, is that he puts out a poll. Yes. He said, this is what the people want. He did want. this. He did this. This is what the people want. He ordered Golden Boy and told Oscar to go ahead and make the fight. They proceed to do this. Um, and then the about face. So mm. people, I guess, are just not responding uh, t- too kindly to that. And then Devin Haley didn't respond too kindly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> either calling him certain names yes. and they went back and forth. And Called him a even, cat. Yeah. Meow. And then Ryan said, you'll yeah. be back. Yeah. And so, and maybe... But and I think at the end of the day, this is a better move. I think it's just the way it, the way it was executed is um, what people are are not exactly um, uh, thrilled with. And as far as his personal life, look, I'm never going to comment on a man's uh, personal affairs, but you know those kind of things do um, distract you and take up some time. We'll talk about that later. Um, here's the thing: <laughs> you know when Golden Boy found out about Ryan's new focus when he tweeted it. He literally did not actually tell Golden Boy, hey, guys, I've changed my mind. He just tweeted it, and then people sent it to them, and they're like, ugh. Well, see, the problem there, the problem <laughs> They're there not is, on the same page still. And that's up. an issue because then you leave your team with no leverage. Your hands are tied, and then you end up making bad deals, and you can't really complain how the deal turns out because you put them in a really precarious uh, situation. But I have a question. Um Romero Garcia is a fun event, but I'm but I will say this in terms of the credibility with the hardcore base, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, nah, we're not doing this. We wanted Haney. There is no guarantee that even that fight, while it might do better than Haney against King Rai, King Rai against Romero, I'm not so sure does that many more pay-per-view buys. So here's the question. What if Ryan Garcia wants the same base salary without the upside that he got for Tank? You still have to do the math here when you're doing pay-per-view business. To rewind a little bit, I think the fact that Barossa was able to do what he did was sort of an indication that, hey, maybe this is the way things are supposed to uh, play out. Because if Lawson had ended up winning, like you mentioned earlier, he wasn't going to step aside. You mean Davies. Davies. I'm sorry. If Davies, lost him was with uh, Virgil Ortiz, if Davies uh, ended up winning, then it would have been really problematic and Golden Boy would have really had a situation because then does Ryan wait? Do you, you? So I think it's all working out maybe the way it should. And yes, it is a little messy, but at the end of the day, it's probably better for both Ryan and Golden Boy. That fight can be made. I think it is an entertaining fight. I think he will be, he'll have to be realistic about uh, the figures. But then if he fights him and he's able to win and he's a champion, now that changes everything. One last point. For all those people that say the belts don't matter. Well, really? 
Uh, Rolly Romero, a lot of people are saying, well, that's the right move because he has a WBA belt. So you people are admitting belts matter. Uh, anyway, a couple other news and notes here. Speaking of Golden Boy Promotions, they have signed former Unified Junior Welterweight Champion Jose Ramirez yeah. to a deal. My understanding is in late April, they're going to be looking to uh, do his debut under that ban. I have a question, though. Jose Ramirez said that he didn't like the way Top Rank handled things, even though they handled most of his career very well. And he turned down a $2 million-plus payday mm. for Tiafimo Lopez on that February 8th Super Bowl week show at the Mandalay Bay. Tiafimo is now going to be fighting Jermaine Ortiz, okay? I'm going to go out there. It's an interesting event. And Jose is, is saying, well, now, wait a minute. Uh, I was supposed to do that fight on Heisman weekend on December 7th, and that's why I didn't do it. Wait a minute. Again, I don't like the inactivity. I don't like the delay. I don't always agree with how Tiafima Lopez does his fights or his lack of frequency inside the ring. You don't find it a little bit funny that a guy like Jose Ramirez, who's turned down fights in the past, says, oh, yeah, well, Tiafima Lopez, yes, December 7th. February 8th? Nah, that, 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 uh, that, that one meme of uh, Drake. Drake, yeah. right. Very good. Modern reference. Thank good you. for you. I'm proud Thank of you. you. Um, What's the difference? I'm surprised to, to hear that. I don't know if there was more to it because from his history, he's a pretty stand-up guy. Um, and, and he's turned I, down three title shots that, in the last two I, years. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't Well, I, it, maybe that's more of an indication that, you know, he possibly has one foot out the door. He's only looking for particular fights. Um, he's, he's, he's had a, a $2 million, pretty, though. No, plus. I know. That's what I'm saying. He's had a nice little career. I I. That figure uh, is is surprising that he turned down because I don't I don't I'd be very surprised if he makes that much in this next one. So who knows? Maybe they dangled a certain carrot and um, we'll see how it works well, out. But that would been- there is a guy by the name of Ryan Garcia who theoretically you are now a stable made of. Maybe right. that is the big play here down the line. You know what? That'd be a fun fight, and yes. that'd be a good fight. So, okay, like if it's something like that, then I wouldn't fault him because that makes a lot of sense. Another and news, less dangerous. Yes, the Ring Magazine 2023 Fighter of the Year it was announced is the Monster Inouye. They agreed with me. Yes, so bonsai <laughs> to that. And Mario, I, I want to say one thing, a personal note here. Uh, last week we were not on, so we could not talk about it. Mm. Um, my condolences and a rest in peace to a man that really taught me a lot about the game of boxing. I've probably known him... For all the years that I covered the sport, I've known him for about at least almost 30 years. Cameron Duncan. Yes. Um, he's the guy that discovered Terrence Crawford. Kelly Pavlik. In a way. Diego Corrales. Kelly Pavlik. Yeah. Stephen Luevano. Terrence Crawford. Great eye for talent. The best bird dog in the business. I know he'd been in ill health. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. And I think a while ago he had made his peace with the Lord. He understood his fate. And it just felt like he kind of knew. But I do want to say this about Cameron. He loved the game of boxing. He did a lot of great things. Old school guy. And he made an unbelievable contribution to the sport. And I want to personally thank him for all the contributions that he made to my job and to my career. I mean, we literally must have spent thousands of hours. He was in his mid-60s. And he had pancreatic cancer. Mm, He had been in ill health. And I know that he helped me personally uh, and professionally. And I want to thank him and my condolences to his family. Yeah, God bless him and his family. Yeah, one of the the good guys. And uh, on a uh, lighter note, let's move on to the Ask Mario segment of this question. Here's one from Jason Boogie Nava. Uh, And he says, guys, this is kind of rhetorical. 
But how stacked is Junior Welterweight? Ryan and Rowley aren't even top 10. You're the boxing czar. Who do you match up next? You know, that's a good point. Rowley and Romero, they're not actually top. You know, in the Ring Magazine ratings, which I believe are the gold standard, yep. you know, despite being a belt holder, Romero is one of the very few fighters I've ever seen that's actually a major belt holder, not in their top 10. Would I was thinking about this. Is he the least accomplished champion in the history of the sport. Is that almost, is that fair to say? Maybe the guy that Janabek just fought that had a belt, Gino Gualtieri. So those two guys really are like in this ignominious <laughs> list. Not exactly a Hall of Fame you want to be on, to be honest with you. Yeah, hey, it's so funny. And the fact that he's lined up or, or potentially lined up to fight uh, Ryan too. That that's uh, That's a fun fight. That's a fun fight. But uh, was there a question initially? Well, no. Just like, who would you match up in the top 10? Look, Devin Haney's there. Right. Tia Fimo's there. Jose Ramirez is still a marketable, well-known name. Arnold Barboza brings a good, solid style. Yeah. As Larry Merchant really says, fights make fights. Let's get some activity yep. going. Let's not fixate on just one or two fights. Let's make a lot of fights and let the best man come out on top. Here's one from Carl Brandt. And guys, let's put this on the big screen here. He says, for the show tomorrow... Could you do a split screen showing 50-year-old Mario Lopez's face versus allegedly 40-year-old Ismail Barroso's face? Do you, you must moisturize. Oil Dude, of, I, see, oil I see the thing. <laughs> oil That's cold as ice. That's cold as ice. Barroso's a handsome guy. Ruggedly handsome. Yeah, he's ruggedly handsome. God bless him right there. Hey, and thanks, Carl. <laughs> oil of Olay? Not Zima. player. Not Zima. Oliveira tequila. That'll do it. Uh, not Zima. And here's another one from Carl Brandt. Virgil Ortiz versus Tim Zhu. Who wins if the fight is made in 2025 and Virgil goes down under to Oz? Well, Ooh. I think Virgil definitely needs two uh, fights, maybe even three, yes. I think, to be really... Really prepared for that fight. And the thing is about Zoo, he's looked better every time out as well. It's like activity matters. I think mm. I think that's a hell of a fight. Um, I think it could be very much a pick em fight if both continue in the same trajectory. And because obviously Zoo's comfortable uh, in that weight class. So it's a close fight. I really like that fight. That could be a mega fight. Right now, year. based on recent activity and development and how good he's looked, I would make Tim Zoo a 60 40 favorite. But again, that's flexible. Very flexible. Sure, in a year from now, well, I can we go saw 50, two minutes 50. of activity. Right. From, uh, <laughs> right. Oh, so I'm just, but I just, the way Tim Zhu can now control things with this front side. Right. He's actually getting a little bit more elusive and, and he's becoming and he a can crack. And, and, he, crack. and he can crack. And again, he's the natural 54 pounder. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind. Here's one from David. Very interesting question here. Mario, when I first considered the Saudi boxing takeover, I didn't love it. Taking fights away from our stadiums, making changes to our traditions. I didn't love it. However, as time has gone by, my mind is changing. If they can make the big fights and the cards happen, why not? Your view. David, I agree with you 100%. And I too felt the same way. I don't like when they leave the States. However, the fact that they are, you have to realize, first of all, these are the richest families in the world. I know we've got our by far, in Boston, by the but, way, but not. I mean, these. This is like real wealth. It's in the ground. It's never going anywhere. Like endless resources. So the fact that they are all in on boxes, on boxing, or it's looking like they're wanting to get all in. That's just a blessing for the sport and anyone who is a fan. Because, like I said. 
They don't have to worry about hitting certain pay-per-view numbers or they don't have to worry about gate revenue. These guys, it's just all about attracting tourism and raising the awareness level that Saudi's maybe a place you want to go uh, uh, want to visit. And I think that's awesome because they don't have to deal with any particular rights. So you're able to make these fights. The fact that we're going to get a fun fight like Joshua and Ganu and hopefully Wilder and Zhang, that's awesome. You think we would have that here? So no. So I'm all for the Saudis, and God bless them, and I hope they continue to dip their toe and dive right into the boxing pool. Can we be honest? Without them, better BFB Vol would not be a real possibility. We're it, getting UFC-type matchups now. And That's awesome. And let me just awesome. say this. As someone who for 20 years had been able to have more guts, more balls, more intelligence than most people covering the sport, I'm Take just going to give myself... No, <laughs> I, I'm just being honest. I, I know. I say that, but you let me say that. But No, but here's the thing. I've spoken about this, how boxing needs to do a better job of putting on more fights, working together, not letting network deals stifle other ones, also creating local markets... Yeah, but but hold on, pause. And I agree with you. We both have been well, saying that. I've spoken about it. And you know, yes, here's but, here's, but here's the problem, though, Kim. The, not justifying there, but the, a lot of times their hands are tied because of networks have you, and the money's not there. Right, but also the selfishness of the power brokers and the fact that I've, I've, telling, I've written about it way back in my days at Max Boxing. We should not be going to casinos every single time. Go to the big cities. Actually create local and regional Ticket draws and attractions. They've done none of that. Mm-mm. And when, when and when Dana they used White, to, they used to. Well, okay, about fifty years ago. No, that's what I'm saying. So they, and, there's no reason why they can't. Dana is what I'm saying. White said, "Well, boxing treats everything like a going out of sale business." You're right. So I don't care who takes it over at this point. It is not my job to fix it until you make me the commissioner of boxing. I no longer care about saving the sport. I cover the sport. And if you people have a problem with this, then you know what? Don't watch cards that have better BFB ball. And my view is this. You had 30, 40 years to get this thing right and not screw up the business where someone could actually do this. Guess what, guys? You failed. And now we need some help. And those good people of Saudi Arabia are making the fights that we, because it is about the fights, is it not? That's what it is at the end of the day. I have no problem to it. And you know what? We should be appreciative. Right. And here's a question from Clay Stevenson at Glitter World, a good fan of ours. Hey, Mario, were you at Oscar's house warming party in Nevada? He seems very serious about expanding Golden Boy to Vegas. Mario, I saw an interview, very good one, from Marcos Villegas of Fight Hub. And Oscar talked about moving his operations down there, building an office, building his version of the Apex, and building this thing out in the 702. What has he told you? He's not leaving L.A. It might be something in addition to, which I think be awesome. And I think those are uh, uh, plans, like big plans, not necessarily right now, this year, but I think in a in a sort of a perfect world, down the line sort of deal. I think it'd be great. You have a presence in Vegas, and which is a fight town, and, and remain here in L.A. I think it'd be awesome. I love the uh, concept of having his own apex. Because certain times, you just got to get fighters, fights, yeah. and wins. And they're not going to sell tickets. They right. don't certainly fit. And I like Dana just says, look, you want to get to work? We have an apex. Build your career, and then you'll get to bigger events. Yep. That's the way it should be. Here's one from Yo Mama Sancho, the only Sanch. Um, ask that Latinx sympathizer, Mario Stupid. Lopez Viva. <laughs> Stupid. Does he ever see La Raza supporting Ryan Garcia the way they do other fighters? Well, I mean, I can't speak for a people. And that, look, I think at the end of the day, it's all about you fighting and how you fight. And I will say this, when I, the thing I like prior to this latest call out, I told you, I gave 
Ryan props because he wants the smoke. He was calling out or for he Tank. Mm-hmm. Or he did. What's what I'm saying? Prior to this. But at the time, right, I said he wanted Tank, campaign for Tank, got the fight, and went out there and didn't fight scared. Yes, he got stopped, but he, fight, he fought with balls like he was trying to win. I like that, and I respect that. <laughs> Same thing with Haney. He went, I thought he was going out there. Now, look, just recent developments, whatever. I don't know who got in his ear. But the fact that he, I think he at least wants these fights. In the times I've seen him, he's not out there stinking up the joint. Yes, he has his um, deficiencies and things he needs to work on. But at least he's out there. I'd rather have somebody go out there and want to fight with balls. And maybe they get taken out. That's why I liked Amir Khan. And he was fun to, to fight, to watch fight. Say what you will about him. But he always came to want to throw chingasos. Am I right? Uh, yeah. There was a roller coaster effect. It's kind of like a sports car without brakes going downhill. That's fun to watch. And then there's an entertainment value to that. Yes. Um, I love Bill Haney. Not only did he get into it with Bill uh, Bernard Hopkins at the fight. Dude, Bernard Hopkins told him to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I thought Bernard Hopkins got to, Yeah, he, he almost want the, he he went back smoke. to the cell block of Greater Ford Institute. Yeah. But then I love the fact that Bill Haney got his kid frost on. He's asking all the Mexicans. Yeah, a la raza. Yeah, la raza. And all the Mexicans are like, nah, nah, nah. Well, Bill Haney and Devin, they made their bones in Tijuana. Yes, so they, they had a lot of fights in Tijuana. So he knows about la raza right there. So I tip my hat to him. But I, I do think the, what he did this weekend doing the about face does not help his cause, not mm-hmm. only with hardcore Mexican fans, but the hardcore general fans all across the world. I, look, Roly Romero, to me, he's okay. He's a very, very bright, colorful character, except I don't think he could fight all that much. Mm. So, again, it is what it is. And speaking of Ryan Garcia, you know, Mario, there's been some historic achievements in sports, like uh, Joe DiMaggio's 58-game hitting streak, Eric Dickerson, 1984, 2,105 rushing yards. Um, Cal Ripken's longevity of just every day just being there. I don't know how many games. I don't think I've ever seen a guy who within an hour welcomes a newborn into the world and then, I don't know, maybe the roles are over, then announces his divorce. Wow, historic. Code of Historic, man. I mean, unless that baby came out looking... Completely like another individual, that the mailman. You <laughs> looking like the mailman? That you know, Culligan like I said, man. I don't know the background, but that was just wild, and it had, uh, it had a uh, social media uh, kind of up in arms, even like World Star and all these people started <laughs> kind of picking. The it kid up. knows how to go viral. I will give <laughs> hey, him hey, credit. Hey, hey, he's a social media um, <laughs> superstar, I guess. But yeah, that's just a lot on your plate, man, uh, to deal with at any age. So hopefully. Hopefully um, it won't be too distracting and um, he'll be able to kind of keep focused and um, and actually make this fight with Romero happen and uh, they'll be able to get in the ring. Because Romero, after he was teasing Haney, then Romero started coming out with, hey, well, what about me? Remember? So now <clears throat> he's got really no excuse. Yeah, when Antonio Brown is acting as your life coach, mm-hmm. um, boy, that that's that's I don't know if that's a peak or a bottom Mario I saw something on Showtime that you had seen before and it took me back to my childhood of the early 80s our childhood um yeah even though you say I'm 10 years older than you but anyway uh (laughs) Thriller 40 on Showtime celebrating the 40th anniversary of the greatest album that ever was produced Thriller from from the top to from want to be starting something to uh, what is it? PYT. No, no, PYT is what's it, the last one? Uh, Billy Jean. Human Nature Human or The Nature. Lady of My Life. So I mean, the, yeah, every single. Well, how many albums can you put on where every single one is a banger? Let me rewind. 
Um, I loved Off the Wall. Some people like that one better than Thriller. I almost but, like, yes. Yeah. But Thriller was just so, what was so impressive about it, first of all, Quincy Jones is a genius, man. The fact that he was able to um, take this kid from this boy band, they thought they yeah. he outgrew. Because really, because Michael Jackson was his child, yeah. the coolest kid ever, his child prodigy, right? Jackson 5. But when he started getting a little older, people wanted, like a lot of child actors, they didn't want to take him serious as Couldn't an evolve. Artist. They didn't evolve. Couldn't evolve, but the guy he had did. the goods. <laughs> yeah, he did. So then with Off the Wall came out and won a Grammy, but didn't win all of them. Then he put all his energy towards Thriller, created this masterpiece. And I love the way they started breaking it down. And they had Usher, Maxwell, all these different people talking about it. It was awesome. And that guy wrote see. his own songs. Yeah. And wow. The huge factor, too, I thought was very interesting was when Jonathan Landis, he loved American Werewolf yes. in London, and he hit him up to make... Um, essentially a, a, movie, a movie, a short film of Thriller, and that changed the game forever. Changed MTV, changed videos, changed everything. That was awesome There were to watch see. parties across the country for the <laughs> premiere on MTV. Yeah, the making of Thriller. Man. That was so smart to hit him up. So, Mario, at your school, the 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 morning after- Did you have the red jacket? The, no, that, I didn't buy that. That shit was that. expensive. I, I no just Asian couldn't have No there. Asian parents were buying that. But anyway- What you talk about? I saw yeah, Asian kids man. with that red jacket, bro. But here's the issue. <laughs> um, the thing. The day after- Michael did the moonwalk on the Motown Awards. I remember that. Was that was at Pasadena Civic Auditorium? Was I yeah, remember that? Was every kid in your school trying to do the moonwalk? Because my school, Meadow, Meadows Elementary in Valencia, that school's like ninety nine point nine 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 white. Everyone was trying to do the moonwalk. Yeah, look, that was a phenomenon. It was like I thought the floor move. I thought yeah, the floor was, was unbelievable. Moving, so we didn't know. And then you do the research and stuff. It was actually like some Mexican actor used to do it yeah. back really? in the day. Yeah, yeah, back in the 30s and stuff. And so he had seen it. But he had already, he took a little Fred Astaire, a little James Brown, a little Cab yeah. Calloway, and kind of had his own style. And now that's such an influence on like BTS yeah. and all the Chris Brown, Usher, all these guys. But no, there was never, there'll never be another entertainer. I mean, he's... I greatest just love the greatest fact entertainer. That Not just that, but just greatest entertainer. The Victory Tour of '84 promoted by <laughs> Don I King. I was going to say <laughs> all the way back to boxing. Don yeah. King. Yes. It was crazy. The greatest selling album of all time didn't have a tour. There was yep. no Thriller tour. Right. In that wild, and they had to Joe Jackson the said, "Joe Jackson, the brothers are coming. Said, hey, brothers are coming. Yeah. We're all coming." Like Latoya, in you get in here too. The Victory <laughs> Tour. No, but he was smart about it because they did a little Jackson Five, yep. and the brothers kind of went off, and then he did his Thriller. But isn't that crazy? The greatest selling album did not have a tour. They did the Jackson Five and Don King tour. promoted yeah. it. Don King also made the deal with Pepsi after they had made a deal with who was it? Like Little Debbie's yeah. or something prior to that. But he made the deal with Pepsi and that's where we were shooting the commercial where Michael burned his hair. And you know what happened when his hair got on fire? Marlon, you know what he had to do? Marlon Brando. He had to beat it. I'm so stupid. <laughs> you don't remember that joke? Dude, that was, everyone oh, knew that. Dude, joke. I'm <laughs> sorry. Fuck. Marlon Brando's son is the one that put his hair out. I don't know. That's really? a fun fact. Yeah, he's the one that put his hair out. He was on that set working. But yeah, Don King's the one that made that deal. And that's what they say has started his you know. addiction to pain pills and stuff because he had to deal with. That was a serious. I never saw the the footage, too, of you the know. actual head on fire and stuff. But Michael yeah. Jackson is so great that an album like The Wall is like maybe top three. Well, it was between. Not, not, no, no. I mean, bad. What an album. Bad was still good, too, in 87. Yeah, and then what was Bad? Da Dangerous was the other Dangerous one, right? was the But I love Bad. I had to cap no, Neil's I love them all. Dude, I love them all. Um. Another crazy thing is when people say, oh, there's no big, been no star bigger than like Taylor Swift. I go, no, 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 no. What? Michael, oh, Michael Jackson, homie had like thousands and thousands of people just waiting outside his hotel room. Yes. Anywhere he went. That was just, it was crazy. They had to shut down Disneyland at times. Like that level of stardom 
we've never seen. Right. Uh, not, maybe media. Elvis. Maybe Elvis. That was about it. Elvis, Michael. But there's nothing now that compares. Even Taylor. No. Wouldn't you say? Not even Taylor. That shit was wild. When he was, that was like crazy. Uh, Mario, wrapping it up here. I understand you are going to be Bob Barker. You got your own game show. Dude, I'm excited that as we speak, my new game show, Blank Slate, premieres tonight, 6 p.m. on the Game Show Network. I've always loved games. So what, what's, the, what's the schedule? Is it on daily, weekly? It's on tonight, then it's on daily at 6 p.m. And like I said, I'm a big game lover, whether that's board games or game shows. And this is um, two, two people, two friends, or husband and wife, mother and son. We saw all the pairings, and we're paired with a comic. And, it's, and they have to answer fill-in-the-blank type questions, and whoever matches gets points and whoever has most points wins it's fun it's funny it gets a little naughty and there's no oh. better feeling than giving money away that's the best feeling in the world i always left there like in a good mood and feeling good because you, you hook people up with money yeah it's the best feeling in the world man and so you know it's fun and i love a game show where you can play along so you can play along and uh check it out so so there's no whammy there's no whammy on this i'll hook you up right there you might win some money Kim. <laughs> yeah okay whatever. you curmudgeon oh whatever you got too much money you don't want to win any? i'm All sorry right. you know Frazier, games, you wins it. let me just say something game shows were never the same after joker's wild now that was a now that was a game show remember wink martindale yeah wink, wink was good man wink was good <laughs> Whoa, I, like wink wink was good. I channeled some but wink. i love pressure luck that's your whammy was no whammy no whammy yep. all right anyway we'll be back next week and a lot to talk about so on behalf of everyone that make this show possible smoking tim frazier tino on the edits and mario lopez this is steve kim saying till the next round on the three knockdown rule goodbye everybody